Welcome back to the podcast, guys. Uh, we are going to get the naming issue out of the way here, right off the uh, top here on the podcast. We are going to go with Ahead of the Curve as the name of the podcast going forward. Uh, we received an email that this week in baseball, even though it said with Todd at the end of it, uh, there's still some naming issues with that. Uh, there's some rights issues. Uh, it's a show that I grew up watching. I'm sure people from my generation and before me. Uh, Mel Allen was a big part of it. Uh, it was called This Week in Baseball. And I guess uh, as far as the website goes and uh, naming of the podcast, uh, we were going to get some pushback on that. We decided to change the name. We went with the head of the curve. So make sure you look for and pass on that that's going to be the name of the podcast for the foreseeable future. Hopefully forever. We don't have to do that again. A little embarrassing. Uh, but I wanted to get that out of the way right off the bat. Ahead of the curve, guys. That's what we are going to go with from here on out. Uh, the first thing I want to cover today is I want to clear up my... And excuse me for my voice today. I'm a little under the weather, so I'm trying to push through this. Uh, so uh, if you're wondering why I kind of sound like my head is going to blow up, that is the reason why. Fighting off a cold right now. Uh, the first thing I want to get out of the way is... I mentioned on the, I've got some emails, uh, and I also had a friend coming in town from California that pointed this out, and I guess I did not clarify exactly what I meant. I still stand by the statement, but I did not explain why. Um, and it's the Mike Trout situation next year. I understand that he is signed through twenty, you know, through twenty twenty. In twenty twenty one, he'll be a free agent. They signed in a two-year extension, you know, $30 million or whatever it was there in Anaheim. Uh, the, the catch here is this, and it hit me when I was talking to my buddy that came into town. The reason why I think the Phillies might try to work, it doesn't mean that they're going to, here's the, first let me take it from the approach that the Angels are taking with Mike Trout. They are loading up this year. If you look at the moves that they've made, they want to win this year, and if they feel like they can surprise the Astros in the West or at the very least get into that wild card and make a splash and they are putting together a pretty decent roster and pitching staff they feel like they may earn the the trust of Mike Trout back because right now Trout is not 100% behind this organization that's why they didn't sign a long term they only signed a two year extension to give them more time to try to talk him into a long term big payout and Trout has made it pretty clear without having to say too much. I mean, you got to look at the way that from the get-go, and I've, I've dug into this pretty deep, the, the way his agent has talked, what Mike Trout has said, and what the Angels organization has said. And to me, it seems pretty clear. The Angels are going to be pretty desperate next year to try to get him locked in on the long term. Now, they could wait until the offseason after next year's offseason. That would consider him technically a 2021 free agent. But if they do that and they risk going through next year not getting anything signed long term, they're not going to get anything back from Mike Trout. He's just going to walk and go sign with probably Philly. He wants to go to the East Coast from everything that I've been hearing. And it definitely looks that way. Now, Anaheim's going to be able to offer him a ton of money. They will clear whatever they've got, and they will throw the world at this guy. But I have a gut feeling he wants to go home. He wants to go to the East Coast 
It definitely appears that way. The way everything is lining up, Philly has a ton of money. A ton of money to play with. Philly is his home. That is where he wants to go. Um, I mean, technically it's Jersey, but you see him at the Eagles games. You, You know what I mean. So to me... It seems like the writing's on the way. It does not. Now, money talks at the end of the day. It doesn't mean that next year the Angels won't have the opportunity and won't be able to, uh, you know, say, hey, we're, we're the ones that can offer you the most money. And I don't even know if that's possible. They'd have to really do some moving around. But, you know, the way it's structured now in Major League Baseball, the Angels should be able to offer him a pretty decent contract might be the most that he may get. But if you're talking of the difference of a few million dollars and he goes back to the East Coast where he wants to go, I think the Angels are going to be in trouble. So I think right now they're they're basically taking the risk of going into next year and during either the offseason going into next year is probably when it's going to start through the season up until that trade deadline. I think they're going to, and a lot of it's going to depend on what the Angels do this year. Now, if the Angels totally sputter out and win 75 games and are out of it, you know, a third of the way through the season, I really think the writing's going to be on the wall and Trout's going to walk. Or what I'm leading to is I think that the Angels next year, if they have a bad year this year, don't do what they're expected to do. Trout seems a little discouraged. They go into next year and and I wouldn't say rebuild mode, but in another year trying to create a, you know, probably be active again on the free agency market like they have been this year, trying to convince Trout to stay. And things don't work out well on that front. Say they're not winning a ton next year. They're back around 500. They're going to be in a position to trade Trout and get a ton. You're talking about the best all-round player of this generation. I mean, the last, what, eight? seven, eight years, he's definitely been the best player in baseball all around. I mean, he does not do anything bad. The The weakest thing he may have is in the arm. He doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. That's about it. Like, he does everything else well. But there's business decisions that need to be made here for the Angels. And it's I guarantee you that front office is already racking their brains on how to keep this guy. He's that type of talent. That's why they've put good talent around him this year. If they go out and they win 95 games this year, they push the Astros for that division, maybe either sneak away with winning the, the division or getting a, you know, the hosting a wild card game, they feel like they've got a chance to have some leverage with Trout. So they're in a real dicey situation right now in the Angels front office. And my buddy that came into town, he made a good, you know, pretty decent point. He's, he, and that's that's the basic point of why would they trade away the best player in baseball? Why would they not just re-sign him? Well, it's not that simple. You can't, of course they would love, they would have loved instead of the two year extension, they would have re-signed him long-term two years ago or last year, whenever they signed the deal next year, they're going to be doing the same thing. Just like my buddy said, I, yes, absolutely. You want to sign Mike Trout for a long time, forever lifetime. If you could, I mean, he's that type of talent. The problem is he's got an agent and the problem is he's got, you know, ideas of where he wants to end his career or the next step in his career. And it might not be the angels in his mind. So they have to weigh that out. They got their two year extension. He took it because they offered him 30 something million a year for those two years. He would have been idiotic to not take those two years. 
It gave him some time, highly paid time, to decide what he wanted to do next. And he didn't guarantee the Angels anything after those two years. He has an absolute no trade clause as well. That's another reason why I say if they're going to trade next year, it's going to be to Philly probably. If not Philly, it's somebody he has to like because he's got a straight up no trade clause. He can choose whoever they want to trade him. He has to agree with it. Him and his agent have to agree. So they can't just trade him to the to whoever and get a ton of prospects, whoever they choose. That's not the way the Mike Trout situation is set up at the front office. That's not the way his contract is set up with the Angels. So to me next year, when I said in the last, and that was my bad, I should have expanded on explaining that. And you guys uh, actually got more emails than I thought it would. It was nice to see that many people actually paying attention. Um, but that's the thing about baseball. People love contract talk. They love ideas and looking at the future. And I get it. That's part of what we love doing when we talk baseball. But trust me when I tell you, I've, I've known, I live and I breathe baseball for 30 years now. Trout next year is very much going to be in play for a trade. Unless something, you know, the Angels can really, they offer just an amazing amount. I mean, if they come at him and make him a $500 million or $450 million guy, it's going to be really difficult for Trout to turn that down. I don't see with their budget them being able to do that with the Oshani, you know, coming in the mix. And there's a lot of guys that are wanting Keuchel this year. Keuchel's wanting a career deal. So uh, there's a lot of angles right now. And I feel bad for the angels in a way, but this is why those front office guys get paid the big bucks. You've got a superstar in-house. If I was the angels, if I was the owner of the angels, I would say figure out a way at all costs. And I really mean at all costs to keep Mike Trout. And my buddy was right. Why would they do that? Well, they don't want to do that. They don't want Trout to leave Anaheim. They want him to stay for another 10 years if possible. It, the, the catch here is what does he and his agent really want besides the money? Because he's going to get paid wherever he goes. He's going to be the highest paid player wherever he goes. Harper and Machado are good. Very, very good players. But they are not Mike Trout. They're, they're just simply not as talented as Mike Trout. It's that simple. He is the most talented baseball player of the last decade. Hands down. I mean, it's not. there's really no argument there. So uh, that's what I meant about Mike Trout being available next year. Uh, I do apologize for not clearing that up sooner. Uh, but trust me when I tell you. And there's going to be rumblings throughout this year, I think, about it. As we go into the year, and especially towards the end of this season going into the off season. There's going to be talks about what's going to happen with Trout. Are they just going to ride it out? Because if the Angels ride it out and then they go into free agency going into 2021, huge risk because you have that risk of, man, we let Trout get away. And what you could get is say they did trade Trout to the Phillies. They could clean house. They could get three to four top prospects, a high draft pick. Maybe that's a little overboard. Maybe of definitely two to three at the very least, top prospects. I mean, they and the, they have young talent on the field as well. The Phillies could throw in some on-field young talent at major league level now, plus a couple of prospects. I mean, you could really clean house is what I'm getting at. So that is something the Angels have to weigh out. Do we risk this guy walking and getting nothing? Or if do we get halfway through the 2020 season next year, 
closing in on that trade deadline and Trout and his agent are saying, hey, we just want to test the free agency waters. I think that'll be the time you go to Philly and say, hey, are you guys still interested? We're willing to listen. And that's a place that Trout, I think, would say, you know what? I'll go there. I will go to Philly. Very possible. So that is, uh, I'll let that go for now. But I just want to make that clear uh, that that is the Mike Trout situation in detail. Um, and a lot of it's behind the scenes. You know, at the end of the day, money, he may end up staying in Anaheim. They may just say, look, let's throw this guy the book, pay him whatever he wants, give him a long contract. That's the end of it. We'll see. I don't think that's going to happen. If you somebody asks me what I think is going to happen, I do think he's going to end up probably in Philly. I really do. And I think earlier than people think. I think this coming offseason, after this full year, it going into next offseason, after the winter talks, if Trout and them are still playing hardball and, eh, I don't know, I think I may test the market, I can't tell yet, I really think that the Angels will pull the trigger earlier than the trade deadline in 2020. I really do. But we'll see. We'll see how that works out. Uh, another trade uh, that happened this week that I want to get to is the Sonny Gray trade from the Yankees to the Red Sox. I mean, to the Reds, I apologize, to Cincinnati. Um, and the Reds uh, gave up some young talent. Uh, the Yankees ended up moving some of that talent over to the Mariners in a separate trade. Uh, so Sonny Gray to the Reds. Yet another if uh, you listen to my first podcast, I talked about the Reds for a little bit. You know, the Puig, Kemp, uh, they've got a decent bullpen they're building right now. Young guys, decent starting staff. That was their weakness, was the pitching staff last year. Um, they are putting together a decent squad there in Cincinnati. They are not going to be easy. Now, I think, still think, even with the Sonny Gray edition, uh, that they're going to probably be between 75, 80 wins, but they're going to be that scrappy team that the Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs there at the top of the division are going to hate playing. They're just going to be that not an easy out team. You're not going to sweep the season series with the Reds, not with the talent they're putting together. And I honestly think they kind of slide into the category right now that they could be one of those teams that could, surprise some people and win 82 games and at least maybe be in the wild card picture in September. It's not out of the question. I mean, it's not out of the question that three to four teams in that uh, central division there in the NL make it. If you include, I'm sorry, three teams, if you include the division winner and some wild card action, it's happened before. So, I mean, the Reds could easily say, I mean, what if the Brewers totally bought them? You don't know what's going to happen in that NL Central right now. They are loaded. I, I'll tell you right now, the only team that I think is going to be interesting but pretty much has no chance at playoffs is the Pirates. But they still are that young, scrappy, almost like the Oakland A's feel to them that you just never really know. Even the Pirates are kind of a wild card. So that NL Central definitely, without a doubt, with this Sonny Gray trade, is the toughest division in baseball. It is going to be very interesting to watch that division just beat each other up all season long. There should be some great games, interdivision games there. I will keep a very close eye on that division uh, throughout the season, as if you are a baseball fan, you should as well. Uh, Asdrubal Cabrera signed with the Rangers. He's going to take over third uh, for the Rangers. Um... 
Adrian Beltre has retired, so they have an opening there at third. I think uh, Cabrera fits right in. He's a good bat, steady glove. <clears throat> he will be a good corner spot. Eat up, you know, he'll play 150 games for him there. Um, nice, nice pickup for the Rangers. Uh, he's just a good, steady player. There's really not much you can say bad about the guy. Uh, he's a good contact hitter. Uh, makes has a strong arm in the field. He was originally a shortstop, so he's not going to have any issues at third for the Rangers. Um, Ichiro Suzuki. Ichiro has signed for his 20th season uh, with the. It's a minor league contract with the Mariners, but who knows what's going to happen in spring training. Ichiro is just a freak of nature. I mean, this guy, he's not playing anywhere at the level he used to, but he's just, I love the guy. It's crazy that he's still playing. What is he, 45 or whatever? I mean, it's just insane. Um, But it's good to see Ichiro still ticking. I guess he's just, I figured if there was one guy I figured that could play into his 40s, it would be Ichiro. Guy's just a freak of nature. I'm really excited for him. And another free agent we talked about on the last podcast that it was a very good signing um, for the Braves. Now, the Braves did win the East last year in the NL. I I really think that they're probably going to win it again this year. The Nationals are starting to really push, though. But with the signing of Marcakis yesterday, or day before yesterday, whenever that was, the Braves have just solidified their lineup. I mean, they really don't have much weakness. They got Donaldson for another year. At third, Freeman, I mean, the list goes on. Acuna, uh, they're just loaded, absolutely loaded. They've got a young, fun pitching staff. Uh, and Marcakis really, to me, is just the last piece. I think that they're set. Now, he did make a run last year. They got in the playoffs, won their division. I really think they're going to repeat it. I really do. Last year, they won 90 games. I think this year, I think I've got them winning 95. The Marquecas thing, I think, just gave them that extra little push. Um, uh, there's a very good chance there in the East that the, the Nationals, to me, are a 90-win team as well. So it's it's kind of up in the air depending on how the season works out, injuries, who's hot, who's not throughout the season. Um, but right now I'm leaning Braves over the Nats. I think one of those two teams will probably get a wild card as well. So there's a good chance Braves and Nationals uh, get in. Um, I think the West... Um, we'll probably just have one team this year, even though they they're not a bunch of weak teams in the West either. But it's whoever wins the West. I don't see the wild card. I think the wild card is going to come out of the NL Central, and if it's not both out of the NL Central, it's going to be one team out of the East. So uh, very good signing for the Braves. Marquez is just a steady bat, uh, good fielder. Could be a good corner left fielder there for him, right wherever they need him really. Um. And speaking of free agency, like we were talking about Trout in 2021, possible movement next year because the Angels don't want to end up in, you know, end up empty-handed here. There's some teams that are, are some players that this year are going to be in that situation that I think the teams that they're on will not either be able to afford them or they don't want to be in the situation the Angels are in and let the season end and let them go into, you know, test the free agency market and just lose out and get nothing back. And the first player, I mentioned him in the last podcast, uh, and I really believe that the Rockies are going to have to make a decision on Arenado. You know, top 10 player in the league. I mean, the guy's got absolutely 
just all the tools defensively. Could be the best defensive third baseman in the game. He's got MVP-type batting numbers. So to me, Nolan Arenado in Colorado, I believe, will be moved at some point this season by Colorado. Especially if they don't quite have the season they did last year. Last year, they were winning ball games. This year, if they are not on the same track, I don't have them winning the West. I still think it's going to be the Dodgers. It would almost be idiotic for them to not move Arenado at some point and get a ton back for him. Because teams will pay up for him right now. And I think the Yankees, to me, are the team that are definitely going to be eyeballing a guy like I can see him on the Yankees maybe the Red Sox but I I feel for some reason I feel like the Yankees have mentioned in passing there's a lot of talk around the talking heads of Major League Baseball that he would fit there that the Yankees would be the ones to throw the book at him that's why they're not real big on Machado Arenado and I know he gets a weird rap the Colorado thing trust me when I tell you it's it's a little overblown they do get some extra stats there they are in you know, a mile high. I get it. I get it. But his on the road numbers were great too. Arenado is going to kill it wherever he goes. So I do believe Arenado, at least in my opinion, I think he'll be moved at some point this year. Uh, and it'll be good for Colorado because I could get a ton of young, cheap talent back. Good, young, cheap talent back possible future you know when you make trades like this you're looking for future stars and teams like Colorado that aren't going to be able to afford to pay Arenado 30 million a year that's not going to happen in Colorado will not happen so really to me their hand is forced I I don't see a scenario where they allow him to hit the free agency market without getting something back for him so I truly believe that Arenado will be moved at some point. Now, they could wait till the trade deadline, right up to the very end of the trade deadline, get the most for him, one of the desperate teams trying to make, you know, win a World Series, which I do think the Yankees will be there. At that point, could be the the, the moment. Now, he could get moved in the, you know, this offseason, too. You just don't know. Whenever Colorado feels like it's the right time to pull that trigger. The catch is you just got to be careful because you go up until that trade deadline. What if he hurt, gets himself hurt? Then you did something that you knew was inevitable, and you waited until the trade deadline, and then Arenado breaks his ankle. Here we go. He's hurt. Nobody's going to want him. I don't even know if you can trade him at that point. He goes off in a free agency at the end of the year, and you're screwed. So uh, it's one of those that, you know, these front offices with these bigger players, when they know there's a good, you know, the Angels are still in play in their situation with Trout. But I truly believe the Rockies are not in play for Arenado. They will simply not be able to afford him. So I do think that Arenado, you know, could be on the move, could be on the move before the trade deadline. But we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Wherever he goes, he's going to change the game because he's that good of a player. Uh, He's not as well known uh, by the casual fans because he's stuck in Colorado. But you stick Nolan Arenado in Yankee Stadium with everybody watching him every weekend or, you know, two or three days a week on cable and, you know, TBS or whatever. The guy is going to get some serious publicity. He's a hell of a player. Nick Castellanos for Detroit, similar situation. Uh, he doesn't get a ton of run because he's up in Detroit. He's a good corner outfielder. Uh, he's really turned into a really good hitter. I mean, there's not much you can say or complain about this guy. 
And I think he's going to be asking for quite a bit. And I mean, it's almost a guarantee Detroit's going to have to move him at some point. They're not going to go win the center, even though the central is so unbelievably weak this year. Um, I think the twins might be the best in the central this year in the AL. Uh, just another very weak season ahead for the Central. So kind of anything's in play there. I think even though Detroit's roster looks pretty horrific, um, they may wait to move Castellanos until into the season, maybe up to the trade deadline. Um, I almost feel like they should do it in the offseason and get that young talent in and see what they can do with it. Um, but we'll see on that. But the Castellanos is very much up for uh, some trade debates this year, and he would fit right in with any of the bigger clubs that it could afford him and possibly extend him. And then one last play, and I think this guy um, is kind of depending on what Machado decides to do. Jose Abreu, first baseman for the White Sox. He will be a free agent next year. Um, very good player. He's just been in a you know really bad team for a while. I don't see the White Sox, if they, if they don't get Machado or Harper, they're going to be forced to sign Abreu. But if they do sign Machado, uh, they're going to be forced to figure out, are they going to want this to be a one-two combo and they're going to have to pay Abreu what he wants as well as the amazing amount of money they're going to be throwing at Machado? I don't know. That, that's a tough one to figure out uh, for me. Um, so I do think that if they don't sign Machado, that might be good for Abreu. Or they could really go into, he could be the last piece of a rebuild mode. And if they choose to go that route, uh, Abreu could very much be on the radar for a trade just to get a ton of young, cheap talent back for the White Sox and continue their rebuild. If they do get Machado to sign, it's just a speed up of the rebuild. They're going to be like, okay, we've got our great player in. They'll try to, I think they'll, you know, try to work something out with Abreu. I don't think it's a guarantee that they'll trade Abreu if they sign Machado. It's one of those things they got to decide exactly what their goal is at the end of the day. We can't get in their minds to figure out exactly what they're going to do, but that's definitely something on the radar. So Abreu is in his last year of his contract. So the White Sox got some decisions with, at this time, he's their best offensive player. Um, we'll see what happens uh, if Machado decides to go there or doesn't and what they decide to do with Abreu. That'll be something definitely trade deadline worthy. Jose Abreu, he could definitely get thrown onto one of these teams trying to win a pennant. And then there's one guy at the bottom of this list that I, he's on a team that is not afraid to make moves, but he's also on a team that won 90 games last year. Uh, that is just one of those teams that shocks the world almost every year. It's Billy Bean and the A's and the player is Chris Davis. The guy was off the charts last year. Great. I mean, this kid was swinging it so well most of the year. He's a big reason why they won so many games. He was very clutch. But classic A's ball is they or their approach is, you know, they don't have a huge budget. Chris Davis is going to want to get paid. I mean, he's not going to want to take, you know, a, a home deal or anything like that. Chris Davis has earned it. He's put the stats in the sheets. He's made the clutch hits. He is ready to get paid. And what I've noticed, or what everybody in baseball has noticed, is the way the A's approach with their smaller budget, with the way Billy Bean looks at things, it's almost a guarantee at some point he's going to get some return back for Chris Davis. I don't see them. Now, it doesn't mean they're not going to do it, 
but I don't see them signing him to some huge contract. Uh, I just even though he deserves it, they will move him or they will take their chances in free agency. Knowing Billy Bean, he might move him and try to get something back for him. That depends a lot on where the A's are at in July with the deadline approaching. If they're, you know, way, way out of it, they're usually not. They're just that scrappy team that hangs in there. But you're talking about the West. The Astros could be on a crazy pace. Angels could be very good. Those two teams jump out. You know, Mariners are kind of in the mix there, too. They're kind of an iffy team. I can't figure the Mariners out at this point. But if the if it sets up where the A's are 20-something games, 28 games out in July or whatever, just totally getting blown out, Chris Davis will get moved, I believe. They're not going to let him just walk. Not Billy Bean. He's one of the greatest uh, handlers of talent when it comes to, I'm going to get the most back for this guy that I can. Because he he's not in a situation like the Yankees, Red Sox, and Dodgers where I can just make sure I make this guy happy with a huge contract. Chris Davis knows this. He knows that the A's aren't going to be the one to offer him some crazy amount per year. If things are going really well, they may take the risk and let you know let free agency play out after the season. Teams do do that. Some of these, you know, it's not a guarantee. All these guys I'm mentioning that the team has to trade them by the trade deadline. They can take their chances and offer big money after the season if they choose to. The problem with the A's is they usually do not compete financially in those situations. So it would be strange for Billy Bean to make that decision and go all in this year on maybe an 80-something win team at best and not get anything back for Chris Davis. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out. I do. I personally believe he may be on the trade front come deadline, maybe sooner uh, for the A's. Just, and they could get a ton back for the kid right now. I mean, he the numbers last year were just off the charts. Just really, really good ball player. Uh, and I, I, you're talking about Billy Bean. I mean, they made a, mo- a movie about this guy. I mean, he's just a very smart, savvy front office guy. He's always going to get the most that he can um, from players that are about to walk in free agency. Now, he could do a short-term extension. That's still on the table. I mean, there's still a lot at play here. And that is very – he at least might offer that. He might try to get him, you know, two-year, whatever, uh, so many millions per year for a couple years. But that's not a guarantee. There's a lot. That's the thing about baseball. You can't get too lost in all these contract situations. There's always so many different angles. You just don't know exactly what teams are willing to do or exactly what their goal is at the end of the day. Because you're dealing with general managers. You're dealing with scouts. You're dealing with the owner. A lot of times those guys aren't lined up until they have the meetings right there ready to, to make the offer. Um, so it really, you can go in circles all day. Uh, but I want to get that list out there. These are our uh, contract situations, and this is how baseball is. A lot of times movement happens. What keeps movement happening most of the time is contract situations. It's we want this guy or we're not heading anywhere with what we've got. We need to get, you know, three players, three young, great minor leaguers back for this, you know, guy that's doing well right now when we're ready to do well in five years. And that happens in baseball a lot. So these are the guys that I mentioned in this podcast that I think um, Mike Trout included, that teams have to make those decisions. You know, what is the long-term outlook here? 
do we take the risk of letting this guy walk and getting nothing back? Um, and that's what pushes these situations. Um, I think the player most likely, Trout included, most likely, um, Trout's a next year situation though. But this year, most likely for sure, I think is going to be Arenado just because I think he's going to ask for a ton. He's got the reason to do it. And uh, I don't see why the, the Rockies wouldn't try to, to you know, get something back for him if they could. So uh, we'll move on from that. Uh, I just wanted to let everybody know we're in the process of getting the website built. Um, and it will be connected to uh, all of the uh, outlets that we our podcast is provided through. Um, there should be some kind of link there for you guys. Uh, I do appreciate everybody that has been uh, uh, it's starting to build a little bit here in these first few weeks. We are very early in the offseason right now. I'm very impressed with the activity uh, that we've been getting and the amount of plays. I just want to tell everybody I appreciate it. Uh, it's been a pretty dead offseason with the free agency movement. There is not an amazing amount to talk about yet, but we are within a little over three weeks now. We are getting we're definitely within a month of pitchers and catchers reporting within that time frame i do believe there's going to be some action on the machado harper front um, and once that happens all these free agents are going to start getting to their teams they're going to start signing and we are going to get some major movement around the league so at that time there's going to be a lot more to play with um, starting next podcast we're going to go over the top tens at each position and as we get closer to pitchers and catchers reporting, I will also uh, do we one to two teams, depending on what teams we're talking about. Uh, each podcast, we are going to break down uh, the outlook of each team. I'm trying to wait as long as I can to start that to let all the free agents go where they need to go. It's really hard to break down a team and what their trajectory is going to be throughout the year if they haven't signed any free agents yet. So uh, we're trying to let free agency work itself out a little bit uh, before we start doing the outlooks for each team. So that's where we're at on that front. Uh, I want to uh, let everybody know I appreciate uh, everybody that's listening. I will get another podcast out next week as soon as some news arrives. Hopefully Machado and Harper can get some stuff done. Uh, If not, we will go over recent signings as we've done in each podcast. And I will get those top tens out and started next podcast as well. Uh, We will start with the catchers, and we'll move on first base and just go around the diamond that way. We'll do the top 10 at each position in fantasy um, to help you fantasy players out and just general baseball talk, just top 10 at each position. Thanks, guys. Until the next podcast, I'm out.